It's time for the Afternoon Drive. Welcome in Afternoon Drive. Trevor Kelsey here with you for the next couple hours. A lot to get into today. Took a little side break from the uh, football talk yesterday. Squeezing in a little Rob Doster and uh, some Reds talk. We'll talk a little more about the Reds later on, but... A little focusing back on the gridiron this afternoon as we're going to talk to T.J. Walker from Cats Illustrated in a second segment, see if we can get some insight on what may have gone wrong against the uh, Hilltoppers of Western Kentucky as well as look ahead to next this Saturday's battle with the Miami of Ohio Red Hawks, who, by the way, uh, is completely awful. In case you're wondering, the Red Hawks team is not a good football team, Wildcats, so... Red Hawks are traditionally not known for their athletics. No, and formerly the Redskins. They were uh, the Miami of Ohio at one time was the Redskins. They they conformed to the uh, pressure of name change, something Daniel Snyder teams will never do. Them along with St. John's and some other schools back in back in the nineties. I think it's mid nineties, early roughly is when they, the uh, they came alight. But they are now, of course, the Red Hawks, and uh, they have not been any good basically since uh, Ben Roethlisberger left there. Uh, they've been pretty bad. Uh, they've gone through three coaches. The current coach, a former player, is not doing a very good job. And he replaced a guy who was there for one season, bounced, went to Pittsburgh, and then got arrested for uh, felony charges on his way to the job interview at Pittsburgh, or from the job interview where he'd just been hired. Tough to interview, or tough to recruit down there in Miami of Ohio. It is, and of course, uh, he's. Uh, I think he's working at a gas station now. The, mm, the, UPS the guy. worker? The guy, I'm, I'm not lying, by the way. The guy that, that, that I'm speaking of who coached Miami and went to Pittsburgh was uh, fired after leaving the interview from that evening, being pulled over in South Bend, Indiana, for uh, for felony charges. I think he's out of football, actually working at a gas station now. His name's Mayweather, I think. Floyd Mayweather? No, uh, I forget his name off the top Money of Money May? He may, I don't think he can own a gas station, but nonetheless, uh, Kentucky has a lot to uh, look forward to this weekend. They should have a much easier time against the Red Hawks of Miami, Ohio. Uh, Kent Taylor, if we got a friend of ours here on the show, is a Miami of Ohio alum, I believe. And uh, on the other side of that, UK fans, you might want to maybe uh, turn in the radio down a little bit or just get a lot of tissues because around 340, we're going to talk to Randy Lee, the voice of the toppers himself, uh, get his thoughts on the Bobby Trino's debut, obviously impressive debut on, sat- on Saturday, and uh, also a look ahead of Tennessee. The SEC tour for Bobby Trino does not stop this last week. They've got Tennessee an early kickoff for that game. It's early for me, at least. For normal people, it's like, oh, man, it's like noon. Dude. Come on, dude. I'm already up. No. For me, that's an early kickoff because that's that's waking up in time just to get a couple Mountain Dews in me, a couple cigarettes in me, and just get ready to watch the game. That requires an alarm to be set, correct? <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, of course, this Saturday, 1450 Sports Buzz, we will have all that action starting at 11 a.m. with the Hilltoppers pregame show leading up to that 12 o'clock kickoff down in Knoxville as the Toppers and Volunteers Meet and then of course I'll also remind you at seven o'clock we'll bring you Notre Dame pregame show. Get you ready for the Fighting, fighting Irish as they for the last time, at least until to future notice, for the last time we'll head into the Big House and play the Michigan Wolverines. You can hear all that both games in their entireties here on fourteen fifty the Sports Buzz on Saturday. Kind of a sad thing that Notre Dame won't be playing Michigan again. You you complain and you whine and you and you and you nag about how you want Notre Dame to play their conference opponents and. You want them to, to be more like everybody else in their set conference, this being the ACC. And the ACC has, to a degree, met them halfway and said, you know what, you don't have to actually be in our conference, even though you're technically in the conference, but you have to play five games. 
against our opponents, and then you lose something like Michigan and Notre Dame. You can't take Navy off of it. God forbid you take Navy off the schedule, even though that's probably a bigger rivalry, I understand, than anything. At least it was in the 40s when you know things were both teams were relevant. But uh, you take you lose Michigan Notre Dame off that that type of schedule because of it. So it's kind of a double edged sword. I mean, you can't. You kind of got to wish. Look what. Think about what you want before you wish for it. You can't have it both ways. I mean, Missouri had to quit playing Kansas, so losses Which is have to be to taken. Anno- but yeah, but that's moving. They moved to a whole other conference. Notre Dame wasn't really playing. They were full independent to begin with, and even though they were claiming Big East to be beforehand, now they're claiming ACC. The ACC just took a little bigger stand. In the Big East, the Big East had no spine, which is probably why the Big East is now the Catholic Seven, and the former Big East is now the American, and their teams are losing to Division Two schools left and right. It's just an utter mess, and Louisville, I know, cannot wait to get out of that. So we'll catch up with T.J. Walker from Cats Illustrated here in the second segment. We'll talk to Randy Lee, the voice of the Hilltoppers, in about the last segment, about 340-ish uh, in the first hour. And, of course, second hour, we'll have my man Perrin Johnson. He'll be joining me here in studio as we'll talk about all the games from the weekend and everything else going on uh, in the world of sports. Speaking of Kentucky and Western, before we get a, to, to talk to TJ and get his thoughts on that, I want to get this out. We didn't get a chance to talk to him about it too much yesterday because we had a lot of guests booked in here, and we were talking some college basketball with Rob Doster. And for those wondering, why did you want to talk about college basketball? It was yesterday. It was the day after football. And it's true. I Maybe we should move Doster, but you know what? It's still, no matter what, this is college basketball area, and college basketball still rules and, of course, today coming out, or late last night, Rakeem Buckles uh, denied his appeal. We'll get into that a little later with Perrin. But the Kentucky and Western game, and this is interesting because this got me into a nice little debate with my co-host Perrin last night, yesterday. And sometimes I, I love Perrin to death, I do. I do, and he's listening. You know I love you, Perrin. But sometimes when he doesn't want to know like what he's arguing about, he drives me insane with it. Because he constantly will be, it's like arguing kind of like with, I don't want to say a child because that, that's that's not right, but he just will just kind of do the I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever you say bounces off me and sticks to you type argument. But his version is apples and oranges. And it was driving us insane here. And the, the argument actually spilled into inside the press box uh, to with Nick Coffee, and it, it all came from me. And it wasn't anything to do with, with current hip-hop music and me being a hater of music. Uh, that's an argument for other days, which by the way, I don't know how I can be a hater when I've liked the last couple number one songs in the country, but no, no, no here, no there. Uh, the argument started when I said that I thought that Western Kentucky still wasn't any more talented team than Kentucky. They won the game. They outplayed Kentucky. I have no arguments with that. They did. They simply outplayed Kentucky. But my argument was that Kentucky was still a more talented team. And it was mostly based on the fact that and you could say it's an ignorant basing of the, my fact, but it was that they are an SEC team, and they do have SEC talent. Now, Parent Parent came back at me, and so did some other people that I argued with this with throughout the night, was that, well, they, they outplayed them, they beat them, they're more talented. And I'm not saying that they don't have talent on Western's team. I, that's clearly not what I'm saying. Obviously, Doherty, the, the quarterback, is a solid guy. Uh, I love Antonio Andrews. I think he's a great running back. The guy that replaced him, uh, Hall, is just as good and could probably play for most BCS schools or at least get a shot. And Andrew Jackson, I'll take on Louisville Cardinals. I'll put him in the middle linebacker or at least find a spot for him at linebacker somewhere at Louisville any day of the week whether he w- when he wants to come over and join. That is a, a Division One to a T SEC linebacker who will probably play in the NFL. But that's two, three, what, maybe four guys you can come up with? 
in case you're wondering, and I know that you might have trouble with the sellers because there's more players and fingers and toes you have, there's 22 guys on offensive defense. If you tell me you have five guys more talent that are definitely talented enough to play, the percentages are in my favor that I am correct and you are not that the other team, said Kentucky, is still a more talented team. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to win the games. Last year, Kentucky obviously was more talented than Western. They shot themselves in the foot several times with interceptions. Western replied by shooting themselves in the foot by overthrowing wide-open receivers. They did the same thing a little bit this last Saturday. But it doesn't mean that Kentucky isn't a more talented team. Now, did they take them, not take them seriously enough? Yes, they probably did. They came in. Stoops was outcoached. And not a disrespect to Mark Stoops, and I'm going to bring this up with Walker in the next segment. But it's not that he's, he had a deer and kind of caught in the headlights type look. And that's understandable. You're talking about a guy who's, I don't care how many games, big games, supposedly he was an assistant coach for at Florida State or wherever else, you know how many bowl games he was the assistant coach for. It's a completely different world when you step into that head coaching job. And you could just tell that Kentucky went into that game with I don't know if it was the lack of preparation from the coaching staff or the lack of putting focus into the players, but neither were there for that game. And if I'm a Kentucky fan, you've got to be disappointed because that was the same thing that happened to you last year against Western. Now, not overall through the entire season. I'm not going to to base an entire year on Mark Stoops from one game. Again, like I said, he was going against a guy who has been one probably one of the top ten coaches in college football. I'd be willing to put him in there. Yeah, he's maybe not the most top ten great human beings he could outside work on his, the field. He could work on his decision-making. Yeah, he could work on his decision-making off the field, but when it comes to decision-making on the field, preparing for games, Bobby Petrino, who is a, NF, a former NFL coach, I mean, he wasn't technically fired from the NFL. He quit. He left so, on his own terms. Exactly. So, you know, it's a little different when you look at the comparisons. It's not no disrespect to lose to a guy who's coaching a team who is less talented than yours. Now, the gap of talent is not humongous. But yet it's still there, and you're outcoached, and you lose to that team. It's not a, really something you should be too upset about. Now, the fact the players came into the game somewhat unfocused, it seemed like, somewhat lackadaisical. Uh, we, knew all, we knew from the start that Kentucky's secondary wasn't the best, but their defensive line, the way it was manhandled, was should, they should be ashamed. That's a defensive line that is an SEC caliber defensive line. That's a defensive line that should dominate, have dominated the line of scrimmage against Western, and they weren't. They were dominated. And that's something you cannot happen. Now, against Miami of Ohio, you might overlook it because Miami of Ohio sucks. I'm not going to tell you again. Miami of Ohio is bad. Now, then again, so is Northeast, Southeast, Louisiana State, or whoever else, who the hell was South Florida lost to. But they still, and they still got dominated. And so is Towson. And so is Townsend. Now, nah, Townsend actually had a good year last year in Division II football. They weren't in the playoffs last Wait, year. Wait, but what was the last part of that sentence? They were Division Two. Okay, thank you. Or F, whatever they call okay, it. Okay, but Division they were in II. Division Two. It was. And you should never lose to it. And that was one part of my argument last night, yesterday. Was that if you're an SEC caliber school, I don't care if you are SEC Kentucky, if you are the lower of the totem pole of Kentucky, lowest, lowest, excuse me, and you do not get dominated by a Sun Belt team, it just does not happen. Yes, Western is a maybe a better Sun Belt than normal. Ohio is a better Mac school than normal, even though Louisville dominated them. But you do not get dominated like that from start to finish. I don't care what the excuses are of, oh, they've got by Petrino, we've got a new coach. There's still no excuse for that because the talent level on your side is still greater than the one across from you. And that still stands true in that game. Now, when you lose to Division II school, more likely your team has just come in and, and shown nothing. They've completely pooped the bed. 
And that's what happened with Willie Taggart in South Florida. I do not know what happened. I did not watch that game. I watched the highlights of it. I read about it. And I'm glad I didn't watch it because that was a debacle and the same for Connecticut. And you look at examples of all the upsets because they don't happen very often in college football. You don't see these kind of upsets happen. You see games come close. You see teams get very close in the end and end up losing it near the end because more than likely they've woken up the team that they're playing that is more talented than they are. And that said team has turned it around and come back. And in some cases, and an example I used yesterday in my argument was Michigan and Appalachian State, which because for one reason it's one of the games that really sticks out to me. One is the, probably the greatest upset in college football to me. I, I can really have trouble thinking of another one off the top of my head, but that has to be probably one of the biggest upsets, if not greatest upset in college football in terms of disparity of talent and everything around it. Because Michigan, that was a Michigan team for people who don't remember, went 10-2 and and beat Florida in the a bowl game that year. A ten and two bolt uh, Florida team preseason preseason number five Michigan were they preseason number five that year? yes and Appalachian State was a good team I mean they've got I think one of the players the receiver off that team's in the NFL now or Armani Edwards or plays for the Carolina Panthers yeah exactly so I mean He's they had talent and I, and don't get me wrong just because I say they're more talented Division two there's talented Division two players I see a flaw in your in your Appalachian State argument though well there's talented Division two but overall this is not an individual sport and that's what I was kind of trying to get across to. The people I talked to about it yesterday. In basketball, it's different. When somebody tried to use basketball as an example to me, and I said, you know, it doesn't count. Basketball, you can have one individual player on a less talented team who's very good and can lead a team into a victory over a team that's better than they are overall. Football, you can't do that. You how you don't see one individual carry a team and win a game by himself very often. And when you do, more often than not, the player doing it is on the team that's more talented than the opponent. One example came to my mind was Reggie Bush versus Fresno State a few years back, where Fresno State was had an upset brewing against the number one team USC, and Reggie Bush just took the game over. Now, that's an example that you can use to counter me, but again, that's what I say is that listen, that's gonna happen on the opposite side. The upset doesn't do it. Going back to your Appalachia State Michigan game, though, the best player on the field that day was Armani Edwards for Appalachia State. No, that's not true. Michigan had Michigan. They didn't know, get, how to, they didn't know what to do with him. Listen, that's not true. That and that's that's just not knowing. That's bad coaching right there on Lloyd Carr's part. That team is way more talented. You do not have one guy lead you all the way, and in college football, that's not going to happen. There were how, look at that Michigan roster. One NFL player off Appalachian State that year. One. One and it was a pro- and they won that game because of system as well because Michigan was not prepared to go against that spread option attack. Look at that Michigan roster and tell me that players that made are in the NFL off that Michigan roster. I'm I'm not saying I'm that willing to, I, State I, I got I got talented. a five dollars says right now there's at least at least five or more players and I would agree probably with 10 you. Or more. I'm just saying Armani Edwards was the best player on that field. Maybe it was the system. Maybe it was how they utilized it. And I disagree with that too because if I'm not mistaken, Jake Long was on that Michigan team who is a Pro Bowl offensive lineman. Okay. He's, who was the number one pick in the NFL draft. So I don't think that Armani Edwards, who was a third-round draft pick and a slot receiver for the Carolina Panthers, was better than a two- or three-time Pro Bowl number one pick in the NFL draft, who's making the, who's making top five lineman numbers. I know he's a lineman, and you might not think lineman because we're big, ugly, and fat uh, are important there, Zellers, to you skinny people, but no, I mean, we I'll, are very important pieces in a football game. I'll give it to you that Jake Long was probably the best player on if the If he field. was on that roster, I can't remember if he was on that team or that, not. That day, though, the best. He, I mean, he had the most yards, he had the most touchdowns. If they didn't have him, they don't win the game. And and Michigan had a shot to win that thing at the very end. Appalachian State blocked no, no, a field goal. I'm, very, I'm fully aware, and it was a game that Michigan was down big, and they woke up, and they came back and just ran out of time. 
And that's kind of what Kentucky did last year against Western. They, they woke up, they fought back, they took the lead, and Western needed a trick play to beat them because Kentucky was a more talented team. Now, the difference between last year and this year's Kentucky-Western game was the fact that Stoops just was completely outcoached, but you still saw Kentucky make a comeback late in the game because they were a more talented team. Kentucky is a better team than Western. They're overall more talented. I don't want to say they're better. Let me rephrase that. They're not a maybe better team, but they have more talent, more physical weapons on their team than Western does. Some of those Western guys, man, they look like they, they're players. They look like they could play. They are, and they're D1 a good team. School. They're I mean, a they, very they good team. They school. But I I'm, I'm promise you right now, you take the 22 stars off Kentucky and you tell Western they can have any of them, they'll probably take at least 10 of them and they'll start tomorrow for Western. Okay, I'll agree with that, but I mean that you could say that about any team. Like I'm sure Louisville. No, I can't say about any team. I'm sure Louisville would have loved. To I'm not have taking ten Ohio's guys off kicker. South Florida. I'm 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 sure I'm sure Louisville would love to have trade somebody's kicker after a game. I'm sure they would. Not no, say anything bad I'm about happy the kickers, with John Wallace. but he kicks it out of bounds three times a game. Well, You're happy you know, with that? Yeah, you know, not necessarily, but I I mean I'll live with it. I don't <laughs> like living with the other team starting at the forty. <laughs> no, it's what's the staff for Ohio? They still couldn't get in the end zone. All right, we got to take a break. Come back. We're talking T.J. Walker, Cats Illustrated. Yeah, how am I? How did I get in a situation where I'm defending Kentucky here? I I don't understand this. Like, what, what, I'm in bizarro world. Before we get to break, I want to remind you. Uh, obviously, starting this Monday, uh, fourteen fifty, uh, we are the home of Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. We bring you Notre Dame. We've got some great NFL games coming up for you starting this weekend, uh, and we are now, of course, as well, the home of IUS Southeast Athletics beginning September 9th, this coming Monday. My man Matt Dennison. It will be at Tucker's American Favorites each and every Monday night at 7 p.m. for the Grin Adir Sports Report. You'll have all kinds of schools, athletes, and coaches, including head coach Wiley Brown, on there each and every week over at Tucker's American Favorites at State Street in New Albany. Great food, great place to eat, and great place to get some entertainment from you. For you IUS fans, make sure to go by and check that out again beginning this Monday, September 9th. And you can come up there and maybe talk a little Boardwalk Empire because that starts September 8th. I cannot wait for that. Can't wait to talk to TJ Walker, Cats Illustrated, on the other side of this break when we turn Afternoon Drive, 1450 The Sports Bus. Welcome back, Afternoon Drive. You learn something new every day. I had no idea Metallica was from the West Coast. I, I don't know why I didn't know that. I should have. I lived with a guy, not what you're thinking, for two years who was probably the biggest Metallica fan 
you will ever meet. Uh, and not just like the fan of somebody like, oh yeah, man, I like Metallica. I'm going to go see them in concert. I'm going to buy their albums. No, this guy was like beyond like, the, the, he, he crossed that line of psychoticness. Did he know their addresses? I mean, he might as well have been, in, to, to quote a, to, to give an image uh, a comparison to a really bad movie, he was like Robert De Niro in The Fan when he was like stalking Wesley Snipes. Do you remember that, do you remember that movie? Uh, if you don't, I'm, I'm, I applaud you because I wish I could forget it. He was that point. He, he loved them so much that he despised Guns N' Roses with a passion due to their uh, intertwined story that they don't like each other. And if you ever, he would never, I would never get him more mad was when I would play like a Guns N' Roses song or something in the house because I'm a big GNR guy. And I just, I never understood the, the I listen, I, I'm a fan of things. I love the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm a, I, a big fan of college football, college basketball, University of Louisville, you know, but I've, I, I just can't fathom crossing that line. Uh, crossing a line that would cause you to be a fan of a team so much so that you think they're going to beat Western Kentucky 31-14. That's a line that you've crossed. Speaking of crossing that line, let's go talk to our Oxmo Ford Lincoln buzz line to a man who thought that was going to be the final score. We snickered at him, but he was true in his thoughts. And you know what? I give him credit for at least having the cojones to come out and predict it, even though they're still waiting for those nine points to get to 35. That air raid offense is. TJ Walker, Cats Illustrated. TJ, how are you? Are you okay? Have you overcome the the, the loss from this weekend? Are you are you ready to move on and demolish Miami of Ohio? Hey, it's uh, <laughs> it's no problem to me. Um, be, before we talk about that, though, uh, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the music coming in. Every time I've been on fourteen fifty, I've always been so impressed with the music. Last time I was on, it was Tupac and California Love. <laughs> yeah. uh, didn't like it this time. I don't know. It might throw off the entire interview. You're not, you're not a Metall- you're not a Metallica guy. Who's your favorite band? If I'm going to stick TJ on on a uh, deserted island, you get one C- one one band to listen. You get all their CDs, their whole collection, but only one band. Who does it? Who is that band? A, a band or, or artist I- or whatever music musical. I mean, if you want to pick Kenny G, you can pick Kenny G. He's not a if, band. He's an individual. But if I were to pick my intro music to go on fourteen fifty, anything Little Wayne would be fine with me. Oh Lord, this is your last interview. With us. <laughs> <laughs> you have been canceled. In fact, let's just drop it now. Let's just end this. Let's end this completely. Oh man, I guess Yolo. You only live once, huh? There, TJ. Right. Is that what you're saying? Uh, <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought you'd get a kick out of that. Um, uh, someone who knows my hatred more than anything. Uh, TJ, let's let's get into the hatred of uh, Kentucky fans right now for what happened on Saturday. Uh, as I said, you, you came out, you picked 31-14. After you did that, I went back and did the research to see how many times Petrino had been held to 14 points or less in his career, uh, seven, times in 101, seven times in 101 college games leading into this Saturday and this Saturday Makes it seven times in 102, but uh, I do give you the, the credit for having the brass cojones to come out and be respected. You know, listen, I cover Kentucky. I think they can beat them. I think they're more talented, and unfortunately, I agree with you. I think Kentucky was still a more talented team, but yet they were yeah. outcoached and outplayed. And why, how does Mark Stoops, is my question is, how does Mark Stoops allow this team to do exactly what it did last year, come into that game for two and a half quarters, and just overlook a team because they're listed as a Sun Belt team. I mean, that's uh, that's a great question that I think a lot of UK fans are asking themselves. Uh, but it, I think the answer is, you know, Mark Stoops was outcoached major in that game, and, and I, I think everybody knew the Western Kentucky had the coaching advantage going into that game, uh, but maybe not to that extent. 
and that's a, that was a tough first game for, for Stoops. Talent aside, I, I still do agree. I think Kentucky has more talent right now than Western Kentucky. Obviously not much, and, and it <laughs> didn't matter, but, um, but I guess the coaching gap was bigger than expected. Uh, when I made that prediction, the 31-14 to 14 prediction, and, and it was way off, and I predicted it on several different uh, you know, medias where um, I'm hearing from it, uh, but I did say I thought it would be a close game, and then the fourth quarter, UK would pull away. I thought that SEC talent would pull away from the Sun Belt team, and, and it was really the exact opposite. Um, here's what surprised me in that game: one, Western Kentucky's quarterback can play. I didn't see that coming. He, he's a real, you know, he's a real leader. He's a real quarterback, and he's probably going to lead Western Kentucky to a ten and two uh, record, maybe eleven and one. The game against Tennessee for them will be huge. Two. I didn't see UK's defensive line getting dominated by Western Kentucky, and that's the biggest concern for UK the season going forward. That's That was supposed to be their biggest strength, and the Sun Belt team pushed and moved them wherever they wanted to, whether it was run, and then uh, Western Kentucky's quarterback had all day to throw regardless, uh, and that was a major concern. And the third was there's still uh, just a ton, a ton of question marks, um, and I already kind of talked about this from – the coaching staff, it's their first game, so you want to give them a little bit of benefit of the doubt, but um, it's going to be a learning process. And if they, and I do think Petrino is one of the better coaches that they're going to face all year with the exception of maybe Saban and Steve Spurrier. Uh, but but there are a lot of other coaches that are good coaches, like Mark Rick, Charlie Strong. Uh, you can go down the line. There's so many good coaches in the SEC. They're going to have a hell of a lot more talent than uh, Western Kentucky had, so you're going to have to compensate for that gap. Uh, that's what surprised me the most in that game. Besides that, you know, UK's offense moved the ball. I thought they would. UK's secondary was terrible. I thought they would be. <laughs> um, and uh, But, you know, those three things are the things that made the difference. Western Kentucky's offense, Antonio Andrews had a good game. All three of the running backs had a good game. Um, they're a good team. Kentucky isn't quite, uh, quite a good team, and it might be a long year. The good news for UK fans listening is, I don't think Western Kentucky was UK's sixth win. I don't think that UK is not going to a bowl game now because they didn't beat Western. Uh, they probably weren't going to go regardless. Uh, everybody knew it was going to be a long season. This might be a little bit longer. And I agree. That hopefully things will get turned around next week. Before we get into some of the po- some of the, f- the few positives that did occur on Saturday, you mentioned that defensive line, and that, I agree with you. That was the one that really surprised me the most because I thought that was something that Kentucky could do, could get some pressure on a, a quarterback who was making his first start in like two years or so because of injuries and other reasons. And the fact that the Western, which one thing about, you know, a lot of people always say, oh, he, spares, he airs it out. He's a he's like an offensive guru. But this is a guy who runs the ball more often than not. I think that's disguised for some reason because he does throw a lot of play action. 216 total yards rushing on that defensive line. Western's offensive line, and no disrespect to their offensive line because it's a veteran line, but that's no excuse to dominate the way they did a good, good SEC-style off defensive line in Kentucky. What are some of the reactions to that defensive line and the coaching staff since Saturday, and what were some of their reasonings to that? I mean, were they just un, not focused? Did they just not expect some of the some zone blocking that Western threw at them? Well, if you if you talk to the defensive line, they said they weren't as focused going in. Um, How? You know, How I, are they not focused? Yeah, I, that, that's a great point, uh, and that's you know that's. That's a good question. I don't know how you're not focused going into uh, the first game of the year, and there's so much momentum. There's so much UK momentum going into that game, and to say the team wasn't as focused as they should have been is uh, really, I mean, really concerning to be honest. And even Stoop said after the game that usually he has to calm his players down in the past, you know, get to get their 
mind trade. He said he almost he had to pump them up extra going into that game, which is uh, it's just crazy to think. My my guess, you look at the defensive line, and it's got the the height, the sizes you want out of a SEC defensive line. Um, you know, Bud Dupree had a great year last year, and the guys up front, Dante Romp and Cobble, are talented guys. Darius Smith was one of the you know best JUCOs coming out this past year. Uh, the only thing they must have just been overhyped, and everybody must have overhyped this UK defense line. And and maybe they did have a bad game. Maybe they come out against Miami, Ohio, you know, play a lot better, and and can you know regroup after that uh, performance against Western. But that's I just think they're they're not as good as we thought they were. Uh, cue cue the uh, Dennis <laughs> what's it, Dennis Dennis Green uh, reference, but um, and that and that's a big problem. Everybody, like I said, everybody knew the secondary was going to have some issues. But you, you, as a UK fan, you would have hoped that UK could have gotten to the quarterback, uh, made him force some throws, and clog up the running lanes where you know they were forced to throw. And I was so surprised at UK's lack of blitzing. And I get it that Soups, when he was at Florida State, the defense coordinator, he usually didn't have to blitz as much because his defense line would get such a good push on other ACC offensive lines. And he probably thought he could do something similar against Western Kentucky. But you got to make adjustments in that. Kentucky secondary is going to get beat regardless uh, of how much time um, Western Kentucky's quarterback Dowdy had to throw. Uh, why not try to make it a little more difficult for him, make him think about some more stuff, uh, eliminate some of that extra time that he was having. And, and they, and UK just never made that adjustment, which, uh, they're trying to, and this is, this is going forward when they're going to play teams like Louisville and, uh, Alabama's and all the, all the great teams that they're going to play, uh, they're going to try to beat them at their own game if they're not blitzing. And, and that's not going to happen at, at Kentucky this year. You're not going to beat anybody at their own game by trying to play a conservative defense. They got to mix it up somehow. And I agree 100%. Talk to GY or Cats Illustrated. Bright spots of the game, obviously, look at the quarterback. Whitlow is kind of, he did what he is. I mean, he's going to overthrow some passes, he's going to be athletic with his feet. Uh, at some point, obviously, he, Max Smith got denied a, short, a longer leash than I expected, I guess, from Stoops. But a leash that I wouldn't even have put on Whitlow to begin with because he's. You know his performance is, as you can say, it was bad. It was Jalen Whitlow. It's what you should expect from Jalen Whitlow. It's what you're gonna, what's going to happen. He's not the most accurate quarterback, and he's back there to make plays happen. And he did that for the most part offensively with 75 yards and a touchdown in the first half, which kept Kentucky alive. Going into this Miami of Ohio game, uh, I believe Max Smith is is looking at getting the nod at the starting position. Now, do you agree or disagree with that decision? I agree with it, but going back to the. Western game. I don't think UK's offense was that bad, and, and I know 26 points isn't a ton of points to score, especially against a uh, Sun Belt team. But I, I thought for Neil Brown's first game at UK, that overall as a unit was a bit of a bright spot. The offensive line wasn't fantastic, uh, but they did create some rushing lanes, whether it's for Raymond Sanders or Jalen Whitlow. Uh, the receivers didn't have many drop balls. I guess you know maybe two or three come to mind specifically. Uh, Maxwell Smith, when he came in, uh, looked good, looked sharp. Kentucky needed points at that point, needed yards, and, and he did that, made some good throws. Uh, and then Whitlow, like you said, you know, he wasn't advertised as the best passer, but what he was able to do on his, you know, with his legs was, I think, pretty impressive. Um, but UK is in a real, they have a real problem. They obviously felt like Whitlow was the guy that. Uh, was the better option, maybe not necessarily the better quarterback, but the better guy to move the ball and score. But that means they couldn't run the air raid that we've heard so much about. And they have built this team, although they built it in a short span, about three months since they took over to National Signing Day. They built an air raid offense, 
and now you're not running that air raid offense. So you got the personnel for one offense, the quarterback <laughs> for another, and you're mixing it up. So I think starting uh, Smith against Miami, Ohio, is, is the right call. He is built for the air raid. He can run the air raid. And people might say, well, you're losing that dynamic of running uh, the running quarterback. But UK's rushing game looked good against Western Kentucky, and I think it's going to look pretty good all year. You've got a good core of running backs, and Sanders and JoJo Kemp and uh, uh, George, uh, they, they can – they're going to be able to run the ball if they want, but they got to be able to throw the ball. They got to be able to throw it deep. Uh, they got to be able to throw it short. And not that I don't think Whitlow can throw. Uh, I think he can throw if he has to. I, the, a lot wasn't asked of him from throwing. And I don't think that was his call. That was the coach's call. Uh, he did have some bad throws, but he also made some good throws too. But Smith is a more consistent thrower. He's going to be the guy that I think is more comfortable throwing the ball. So you do have to play him. I agree with UK's coaches there. All right, we got what Miami Ohio coming up next week. TJ, I gotta get out of here. We're running late on a break, but I want to get a final score from you, and I think you're gonna be closer if you go with last week's score prediction. But this one, Miami of Ohio is bad. They got pummeled by Marshall, uh, which is not a bad Marshall team, but still fifty two to I think fourteen was the final. Just a humiliate in the second half. What do you what prediction do you have for uh the home opener for Kentucky with the uh, Red Hawks coming to town this Saturday? Yeah, I'm a little worried about making predictions on your show again. Uh, you should be okay looking. with this one, thirty one fourteen probably. Looking like an idiot again. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go 40-14 this time. <laughs> Let's see how that works out. I do think. Wow, he's improved the, the offense. That's great. <laughs> they, uh, if, if Marshall's quarterback can throw five touchdowns passes against Miami, I, I think the air raid should be able to do something similar. Um, so that, that's my score, and uh, hopefully you can have me on next week and we can talk about how wrong I was again. Well, if you are, I will definitely bring you on to talk how wrong you are because you like Little Wayne, and I, have, I need to have a reason to make fun of you for it, TJ. Always love talking to you, Cat Illustrated, TJ Walker. We'll talk to you next week, buddy. Appreciate it. Right. <laughs> Thank you. We are getting out of here. we got to run for, late for a break. we uh, got to catch up a man, Randy Lee of West, the Voice of the Hilltoppers. He's going to join us next, talk about, on the other side of that game, the celebration style of the Hilltoppers and, and what how their win over Kentucky as well as look ahead to their game coming up this Saturday in Knoxville. Different change of atmosphere in Tennessee. I tell you what, that tell you what. We'll have that game here on our airways starting 11 a.m. with the pregame. Voices of the Hilltoppers, Randy Lee, joining us next here on Afternoon Drive, 1450 Sports Buzz. Welcome back, afternoon time. I was having some musical problems there, probably because it sounded like it sucked. So he, the, the 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 voices that be above us are like, you know what? We don't want to hear this song, so we're just gonna keep pausing as we try to come back. Uh, excited to talk to our next guest. You can hear his voice uh, every Saturday, Tuesday or Thursday, depending on the schedule, the future schedule of the Toppers. And you'll hear it this Saturday, starting at noon, kickoff down in Knoxville. The voice of the Hilltoppers. 
here on the home of the Hilltoppers in Louisville, 1450 Sports Buzz, Randy Lee. Mr. Lee, how are you doing today? Fine, Trevor. Thanks for having us, and we're uh, happy to, to be a part of your uh, family in Louisville this year. Well, I enjoyed the first game immensely uh, as a former topper myself. I didn't get the degree, but that's okay. It's my own fault. I don't blame anyone at the school, of course. I blame <laughs> I blame the hill. Walking as a big man, walking up that hill, no, go, no uh, golf cart allowed. That was what caused me not to finish my education there. Nothing else other than that. Uh, and as a UofL fan, I enjoyed uh, watching or listening to you call that game over and over on our airwaves. Let's look back, uh, Mr. Lee, a voice of the toppers. Let's uh, The Kentucky game, I kind of came out and got ridiculed as saying that Kentucky I thought was a more talented team going into the game. I still think they, on, at an SEC level, had some more talent. But Western completely outplayed Kentucky. Bobby Trino completely outcoached Kentucky and Mark Stoops. What was your reaction? Were you surprised at the way Western was able to just dominate that game from start to finish? Trevor, I I thought it would be closer. Now it was a nine point game, but you know, really, yeah, it, was... <laughs> it, 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 it didn't it didn't seem to be a nine point game as you were watching it. So yeah, I was a little surprised that it was so one sided. But, you know, I've seen this develop over the last three years. Uh, two years ago, it was a close game down in uh, at LP Field in Nashville. Mm-hmm. It was a 7-3 game in the fourth, and neither team played very well. But you saw WKU was not overwhelmed physically in that game, maybe speed-wise, but not up front. Then last year, the Tops were able to win the game 32-31. They had a big lead that sort of held on for their life and then <laughs> won it in overtime. And I really felt they were just as fast as Kentucky in that game. So this year, um, I really felt like they dominated up front. I thought they were just as fast at every position. So I really think they've caught up um, at the present time with UK in regards really to the personnel. So I I, I really felt like uh, the Tops had a good chance to win uh, based upon the last two years playing Kentucky, but I did not think it would be as dominating as it was. And I agree. As we talked to Randy Lee, the voice of the Hilltoppers, you can hear him. Each and every Hilltopper game as we are the home of the Hilltoppers here at 1450, the Sports Buzz. And the game, of course, coming up this Saturday with the 11 game pregame. 12 o'clock kickoff will be Tennessee. Uh, one of the things that really did, did shock me the most, not only just the domination, was the on the offensive line. Uh, Randy, it, I knew that the Western could run the ball. I've, I've been a big fan of Andrews, Allen, and Simpson all through the offseason. And I knew that it was an experienced offensive line. But what did this team do that, I mean, did Petrino tell them to enable them to dominate the line so much in that game against what was basically what everyone thought was the strength of Kentucky, a defensive line that brought in guys like Mr. Cobble and Dupree and company like that? Yeah, and that's where the game was won, was in the, the offensive line, and that is Kentucky's strength. So, yeah, I mean, that the opening drive when you took it, when they took it right down the field, 10 plays, 75 yards, you know, just just stuck it right to UK. You felt pretty good about things. It's a veteran offensive line. You have a four-year starter at center. You have a three-year starter at left guard. You have a two-and-a-half-year starter at left tackle. Uh, you do have a new player at right guard. His name is Forrest Lamp, and Bobby Petrino said at a post-conference on Monday he's a redshirt freshman. He played as well as any player in uniform uh, in that game Saturday. He was a big recruit for us out of Florida. He was just dynamic, so he's really stepped up and replaced a player, Adam Smith, who was a three-year starter at right guard. And then a right tackle, you know, Ed Haslett has played a little bit, not a lot. He certainly held his own against a really good pass rusher for Kentucky on that side. So they knew going in, and when Bobby got hired in December, he was able to watch the team practice before the bowl game. 
he knew they had a good offensive line and some young kids like Forrest Lamp, who was redshirting. Uh, Max Halpin's a kid from uh, the uh, Northern Kentucky area who played a little bit in, in uh, Saturday's game as a redshirt freshman as well. So there's depth, there's experience, there's talent on the offensive line. And uh, when he took the job and saw the film, it's the first, first two, two, three things he talked about. Offensive line, he loved what he saw there. He knew he had a lot of running backs. And he loved what the the previous staff had done in terms of bringing in a lot of talented tight ends. Yeah, the tight end was something I know a lot of people. I tell you, if anybody knew Petrino, and I, I don't know how Stoops and his, his staff did not realize this, if you did not know it was going to be a two tight end motion, bootleg play action on the first play, you've never watched Bob Petrino coach. That is his bread and butter play. I've watched him do it for four years on a regular basis. Anytime he needed a play, that was his go to play. And when he went to it first, I was not shocked one bit. And that, <laughs> I was kind of sitting there going, "Really? You didn't you didn't see that coming, Stoops? I mean, you didn't pick up one game film and see that he calls that play probably every play in the first the first drive of every series he's ever coached in any level of football, whether it be college, pro, high school. I don't care if it's Pee Wee. He runs that play. Uh, I know in Saturday's game, uh, eight passes to the tight end. Yes, exactly. And he loves his tight ends, and he has a very good group there at Western. Switch over to the running backs real quick. Uh, there wasn't a lot of negatives in this game. The one I guess you could point out to maybe if you want to be nitpicky would be the fumbles by Andrews. That's not something. Is this something that Hilltopper fans should be worried about a little bit, or was it just kind of a, a kind of a blur of the moment? Because a lot of both fumbles did come on him just trying to make extra yards when maybe he didn't need to be that extra yards. You know, he didn't have any fumble issues last year. I think yeah. he fumbled once or twice the entire year. So you know, both came on extra effort plays where it looked like he was stopped and broke away and was struggling to get to the first down marker. So. You know, I'm hoping that's not an issue. I know he fielded some punts with guys right in his face and didn't fumble any any of those. So I'm hoping it was just a one-time thing. A couple uh, of those fumbles, I, I kind of worried for his safety. I don't know why he was even trying to catch a couple of those. If I was not on the radio, I'd have been screaming at him, fair catch, fair catch. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yell a little louder. Maybe we can turn on the PA on and he can hear you next time because he's got some cojones to do that. I wouldn't have been that, sure that brave. Uh, Randy Lee, voice of the Hilltoppers, joining us here on Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line. Uh, look ahead to this weekend's Tennessee. A, a different atmosphere in the state of Tennessee for the Hilltoppers. Won't be as friendly as it was at LP Field. Uh, they won't be able to paint the, uh, the, 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 the field red, so to speak, as uh, I still quote uh, from your radio broadcast. The Tennessee Volunteers, not exactly your, your grandfather's Tennessee team, but a team that did look good against Austin P dominated the Governors forty five nothing. What are some of the thoughts going into this game? Are the hopes that high that after the Western the UK game that this is a team, a Tennessee team that could be another upset victim to buy Petrino? Well, we sure hope so. Yeah, um, yeah uh, I think the, the key just for me, and I haven't talked to Coach yet. We have his coach's show tonight, so yes. eight PM, which you can hear by the way bit. live here on fourteen fifty. There you go. Um, I, I'm concerned about Tennessee's offensive line. Uh, they're very good. They have three offensive linemen that were preseason first, second, or third team in the SEC. And they're going against a defensive front that played well against Kentucky, but you're looking at really five, uh, well, there's a rotation of about uh, seven. But the down four, you have two, like one defensive tackle who started one game, uh, one defensive end who started one because of an injury, and another one who started one because of an injury. So it's a brand-new down for uh, we lost our top five defensive linemen last year to graduation. So you're looking at Tennessee's strength against, on paper, WKU's weakness. And uh, 
We have really good linebackers. Andrew Jackson's tremendous in the middle. Xavier's boy who had 10 tackles against Kentucky, super on the outside, doesn't get, get a lot of credit. He's a really good player. But those the defensive linemen, they have to occupy those blockers. And Coach said Monday in the press conference that he felt like his defensive line played really well, maybe better than anticipated. But the one thing they could have done is use their hands a little bit more to tie up the blockers. Uh, and they'll really need to use their hands well because the, the Tennessee guys are good. Uh, Phil Steele is a gentleman I respect a lot. In his magazine, he ranked Tennessee's offensive line as the second best in the country. I do know they're the second most experienced in the country in regards to total games starts, started. So you really want to be watching. I love offensive line play. It's my favorite part of football. <laughs> I'm like an offensive line nerd. But I worked in Nebraska, so I picked it up there when I was in Nebraska. But uh, I just love offensive line play. I think we're going to be seeing two extremely talented and experienced offensive lines on Saturday. We can hang out any day. I'm the same way. I love the offensive line. I'm 6'3". 350, so you know I, I have all kinds oh. of love for the guys on, on the, in the trenches. I don't have an excuse. <laughs> well, you're an offensive line maybe in 1942. I mean, it depends <laughs> on what, what era we're looking at. Randy, one thing, and I've talked to Chad Bishop Daily Bowling Green Daily News several times about this, and it's hard to grab the love of, of football fans in Western. I thought they did a great job of coming down there supporting them, but it has been an issue even when Willie Taggart, a, a guy who's, I mean, you cannot love anymore at Western who was there leading all-time rusher, Quarterback four years there, but still attendance problems. What's been the since the win over Kentucky? Now with the hype going into this Tennessee game, how have they embraced it even more in Bowling Green for the love of this football program? Well, you know the attendance issues have improved in the months of September and October. Uh, we've had sellouts now in September and October in the last couple of years, so that has not really been the issue. The issue still for us is November home games when it's late in November. Mm-hmm. Um, we just have not been able to draw well in November. I don't think there are too many. Is it a basketball interaction a thing, you think, maybe? Bad, cold weather, you know, who knows. <laughs> but and, and also, you know, we, yeah, it's it just been frustrating. It's always been that way, I've been told. We never really drew well in November. So it's going to be one of those things that, some, you know, some way, shape, or form, we're just going to have to figure out how that's going to be done. And we'll have to win a lot, have a lot of momentum, maybe. You know, if it's a special year this year, maybe that will improve. But but I will say this about the attendance um, in September and October. The crowds have been really good. They've been record-setting. Uh, it's just still the November crowds bring that total attendance down, and we just have to figure out a way to uh, have warmer November games <laughs> and be playing for championships in November. I'm all for warmer November games, and it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be sizzling hot, but just enough to where I can still wear some shorts and a t-shirt, possibly, and not have to worry about uh, using whiskey to keep my blood a little warm. <laughs> uh, last question for you, Randy, and then off the topic of sure. Western Kentucky a little bit. What was your reaction when you saw Willie Taggart? Obviously, his his debut in South Florida. Anything less to be desired? It shocked me when I saw that. Not only maybe they lost. But the way they lost, what was your reaction when you saw Western's former team, uh, coach go down the way he did to Northeast, Southeast, Louisiana, something or other, Division Two? Uh, the McNeese State. Yeah, yeah. whatever it was. Uh, uh, That's Joe Dumars' yeah, uh, alum. I, I'm sure he was happy. Uh, well, well, oh, sorry? That's where Joe Dumars went, basketball-wise. Exactly. Uh, I'm, um, you know, I'm a surprise. I don't know what South Florida is coming back. I have no idea what he's inheriting, but I never anticipated this. I do know McNeese State had a big advantage. Lance Gidry, who was the defensive coordinator with Willie here the last two years at WKU, did not go with Willie to South Florida. He was the he is the defensive coordinator at McNeese State. Uh-huh. So you had a defensive coordinator for McNeese State who knew 
you know, I've been with Willie for two years, and I talked to him after the game while he's sitting on the runway, and of course he's really happy uh, about he, he, that's his alma mater, and he just felt pretty confident going into the game that they would be able to do well defensively. And after the game, he just uh, pretty well felt like he had a line and an idea on what they were running, what they were going to do. So there was an advantage there behind the scenes that McNeese State had, uh, someone who knew Coach Taggart and his offense because he went up against it in practice and knew the ins and outs of it uh, like the back of his hand the last couple of years. So a little bit of a you know an edge there for McNeese State, but still I was surprised. Randy Lee, the voice of the Tigers, I appreciate you coming on with us, my friend. We look forward to hearing you tonight at 8 o'clock from the Bowling Green Country Club, if I'm not mistaken, where you'll be. Uh, this evening, 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central. We'll have that live here on our airwaves. Look forward to listening to that, and as well as you call the uh, upset of Tennessee this Saturday in Knoxville. Well, that would be nice, and uh, Trevor, uh, call anytime. Love to talk to you anytime. I uh, always enjoyed it. That would be Randy Lee. Thank you again, sir. The voice of the Hilltoppers again, like as I said, he will be uh, interviewing Coach Trino tonight on that Coach's Show, which you will be able to hear here at 8 p.m. this evening. Always entertaining stuff. It's it's hard to get Coach Trino to open up on those shows. It is. And they did a good job of it last week to try to uh, – Randy wasn't actually with them last week. This will be his first week doing the show, I believe. And uh, so it's going to be a challenge to get him to open up. And when you can do it, it's worth it. Because uh, Coach Trino's not one really to be the most joking guy. I know that might come as a shock to people. But uh, he's not – uh, and, of course, this Saturday, I want to remind you again, 11 o'clock is the pregame show, and we will get that started for an hour. Followed at 12 o'clock kickoff for Tennessee and Western Kentucky as they will battle, and the Western Kentucky is their second SEC team opponent in a second two-week span. Not the easiest start to schedule. Uh, Perrin Johnson will be joining me in the studio. When we come back for hour number two here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. It's time for the Afternoon Drive. Welcome in hour number two, Afternoon Drive. Uh, big thanks again to my man uh, TJ Walker from Cats Illustrated, as well as the voice of the Hilltoppers, Randy Lee, uh, joining me in the first hour, talking a little uh, Wildcat Hilltopper football, previewing their, recapping their game from Saturday, as well as looking forward to their opponents this weekend, two different Aspects of their opponents this weekend as I'm joined uh, currently right now as, as I am every 4 o'clock hour on Monday through Friday. My man Perrin Johnson in his little basketball gear, uh, fresh from his rehab, getting his knee ready to dunk well before I'll ever touch a net again on a basketball court. You can touch the net, but you got to lower it down. Yeah, like get a ladder. There you go. Way to think. Oh, yeah, I, I can't so. remember the last time I touched. I think I maybe grazed rim my sophomore year of high school. I dunked for the first time in sixth grade. 
That's sad. Wow. That's just, that's just I mean, can I feel any worse about myself? Yeah, I was about to say, used to be able to touch the net implies that you've done it once before. I was, I was, I was five, three and a half, too. You were dunking at five, three. Yeah. I'm six three and I can't get real. My, my mom and dad. Now you like, put now you put the weights on your on your hips like I have on my belly and you might not get rim either. I'm, have you seen my family? I'm not built that way. That'll never happen. I, yeah, you're right. I'm, I've, I've met my mother Johnson, who's in great shape, obviously. My, and my dad looks just like me, except he's two inches shorter. <laughs> <I'm just playing>. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for him now. Uh, a lot to get to. As I talk, as I said, we talked to uh, T.J. Walker from from uh, Kentucky on their side, recapping and look aheads. And we talked to, obviously, Randy Lee, the voice of the topper show you will hear, call all Western games, including the coaches show tonight at 8 o'clock with Bye Petrino. Uh, let's flip gears a little bit. Look at IU uh, real quick with me, Parent. Talking about football? Oh, yeah. We're talking football, baby. Uh, the, the last week, obviously, the Thursday game, Indiana State, a debacle by the Hoosiers, 73 points, a school record. A different atmosphere this week. They go into Navy. It's Navy's home opener. This is a Navy team last year that actually beat the Hoosiers. And then took them out, ran for over 200-something yards on them, 31-30. Uh, they running back GG, I think his name is GG Jetson or something like that. It's three Gs. I'm going to call him 3G for the, rest of the, for the rest of the day. IU football, is it a reason to get hyped up at this point, even though it was one game against Indiana State? Well, you like the direction of the program. The program's heading in the right direction. The only problem is you play in the Big Ten. So, I mean, Wisconsin is still Wisconsin. Ohio State is always going to be Ohio State. And you know Illinois is good every once in a while. Purdue, they they might get you, they might not. You have that game as well. Michigan State's always going to be a good team. Coach Dan and Antonio D'Antonio has a, does a tremendous job up there. So, I mean, and then Michigan is Michigan. You know, it's Michigan football. So there's so many things you can argue that, but I mean, at the same time, I'm not sure what you really do. Which when you think of Indiana, I mean, the only thing you can really do is go in the right direction. Like, but the main thing they got to do is the Gunner Kill kid. He should have been IU. They should have never let him decommit and transfer. He was right down the street, and I know it's hard for a kid when you see a program like Notre Dame and the prestige that they have. You want to go to a school like that, then you decide to change your mind and go to Cincinnati. Hopefully it works out for all that kid for all the best. But, I, you know, you got to keep your talent here. And when you have a guy like that is that good right down the street, you got to keep him here at home. And then, of course, uh, Cincinnati dominated Purdue this weekend in their home opener. It was like 45-7. to seven. Took them out. G.G. Green, by the way, the name of the, the, the midshipmen's. Running back, I just love that name, Gigi, G E E G E Green, G R E E N E. I remember when my sister met Golden Tate at the Derby, and she, you know, we're at the we're at the Derby party, and she goes, "What's your real name?" And he goes, "Golden." <laughs> like she goes, "No, what's your real name?" Golden. She goes, "You got to be kidding me." She goes, "He goes, no, I'm the third. So she said, "I'm so sorry." <laughs> so, she said, she know, said I feel bad for the first two. <laughs> but, uh, she did. She just said, "I'm sorry." She just was baffled by that at first, but it was funny. Is that insulting if you apologize to somebody for their name? I mean, not, not just, really. I'm used to people messing up my name. They've been doing it for years. Like every day we had a substitute, I was like, "Oh, great!" At least like I get to tell somebody my name. That made me feel bad. And my mom every day she goes, "How was your show with you and Perry?" I was like, <laughs> "His name's Perry, <laughs> mom." Oh, uh, that's what I meant. People have been, people been messing my name up for years. It's not. It's no big deal. It's just like, you know, when you mess up my name, don't be surprised if I don't, I'm slow to respond. So that's how that works. <laughs> At least they didn't call you Kevin Ware. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is true. I don't have the brace on anymore, so that's not a problem. And in so. my mom's aspect, if, if, if I've never told you the story, uh, I met Tim Brown at an autograph session when I was a kid. She took me just to it. And my mom is a Redskin fan, and she went up to Tim Brown. This is before he, he busted out big. This was actually a pawn shop, this autograph session was. Yes. And she went up to him, and she goes, I don't know you. Do you play for the Redskins? And poor Tim Brown just looked at me like, you know, I, I want to die right now. I'm doing a pawn shop and uh, autograph session in Louisville, Kentucky. 
He said, no, ma'am, I play for the Raiders. She goes, they have a team still? Good for you. And I just thought to myself, as any teenager would at the time, like, Mom, you're embarrassing me. Yeah. But in hindsight, pretty damn funny. I, I kind of would laugh if she did it again. I could have definitely <laughs> imagined. And what are your thoughts on the fact that uh, they have a take on uh, Rick Pitino's top ten players? Obviously, Jerry Tarkanian and uh, Rick Pitino will be inducted to this Hall of Fame along with Guy Lewis and Gary Payton as well. Uh, Rick Bettino's top Payton's 10 players. Gary Payton's been off vocal, by the way. Yes, he has. Because nobody cares what Gary Payton is anymore. I mean, how many <laughs> kids remember? I mean, I guess Gary Payton is not lost in translation with the, with the kids today. I mean, they, they remember Gary say, Payton. I hate to say that because like, Gary Payton's a good dude. But like, yeah, how to many, meet him at the Final Four, awesome. He's almost like the forgotten point guard. Like, So when I mean, you think about a great point guards, like when you think of great point guards in the NBA, you think of John Stockton. you got uh, you know Magic Johnson. Um, you, you, the list goes on. Bob. But now you look at today's point guard list, and you think almost Chris Paul, Derrick Rose, uh, companies in the day. This is a great survey question because our guy on the other side of the glass is in that age group. He's 22 years old. So did you know who Gary Payton was before we start talking about him here right now? The glove? Yeah, dude. Okay. I'm just curious. But he likes sports. That's different. I'm talking about average Joe people. Like, you know, like like the average Louisville fan cannot tell you. They can tell you who. I mean, and there's no, nothing wrong with that because this is a college sports town. Yeah. But what I'm saying is the average sports fan in Louisville cannot tell you who Gary Payton was, I'd imagine. Unless they were like a sports fanatic. And I'm under, maybe I'm underestimating. Gary Payton retired, I guess, in what, 2000? He, well, he was on the. Uh, 2006, he finally. He, he yeah. Team, yes. so, you got to remember, he was also a Laker. Yeah, he, so yeah, I mean, he that was gives on him that some notoriety. Team. That gives him some notoriety. Yeah, but that shouldn't be his notoriety. That was like the tail end of his career. You know, that's, you know what I'm saying? You see, yeah, that yeah. was the year he tries to forget. By the way, too. I yeah, think. when he was playing with the mailman. Yeah, um, mailman forgets. But the Rick Pitino's top ten players. Here's the list: Tony Delk. The players he's coached, you mean? Yes. Yeah. But, I mean, well, no, the players he wouldn't coach. Why would, why would Rick Pitino's top ten players be the players he coached? Top ten coach? players he's I, coached against. I, <laughs> get, I, gave up, I gave up doing rhyme and reason of what Rick does. Okay, so. You, I don't, oh, and I don't yeah, question yeah, it. That's great coming from a sports <laughs> talk show host, Trevor. Great. You have, you have Tony Delk, who averaged 17 points a game. As for his, his career average is 14 points a game. You have Jamal Mashburn. Points are, are irrelevant with Delk. He was on such a deep team. So. He averaged 14 points a game on a team that was pretty darn good. So you have Jamal Mashburn. You have Antoine Walker. Is this reverse order from 10 up? No, this is in no particular order. This okay. is top 10 players he's ever coached. Gotcha, gotcha. Being gotcha. at U of L and UK. You had me arguing Mashburn and at U of L, U of L, UK, and Providence. You have yeah. so let me get start over a again. Lot of Tony Dell, Jamal Mashburn. You have Antoine Walker. Mm-hmm. You have Reese Gaines at Louisville. You have Ron Mercer. I'm gonna you stop have, right there. I love the. You have Billy Donovan at Providence. <laughs> yeah. You have Peyton Siva. You have Derek Anderson. You have Francisco Garcia, Walter McCarty. Those are the top ten players they have. More shocked, Derek Character didn't make the list. Kind of surprised there a little bit. Speaking of Derek Character, Derek Character has been released in Poland. He just failed his physical for the team he signed with in Poland. Hold up! Hold up! Hold, we got to rewind here. Hold up. You mean a release from his team? Yeah, he was released. Okay, when he you signed, say release, I thought you meant he got he arrested with the team. They chased him out of Poland with <laughs> yeah. pitchforks and torches. I, no, I said I said release from his team in Poland. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm just wondering, how did he so get arrested Are you, are you hungry? You got ADHD uh, over there going I on? I can tell. You had like, me laughing at that, picking up bits though. and pieces of words I'm saying. But uh, yeah. I zone in that. So anybody on this list that you do not think deserves to be on this list? Uh, not on it, no. I don't think there's anybody on there that didn't deserve Now, if you put it in order, you could argue the order amount. I think Mashburn's right up there at the top because of the impact he had, and I think he's an underrated player for how good he really was, especially in the pros. I think he gets overlooked. We're talking about the top ten players Rick Bettino's ever coached. You think anybody does not belong on this list that is on this list? I'm going to say it again. Walter McCartney, Francisco Garcia, Derek Anderson, Peyton Siva, Billy Donovan, Ron Mercer, 
<laughs> Reese Gaines, Antoine Walker, Jamal Mashburn, Tony Delk. There's a lot of guys I just named. Is anybody you think doesn't does not belong on that list, or you will replace not not say belong, you will replace somebody else with that you think deserves to be on that list? Well, Billy Donovan, yes, is going to name first name is going to come to a lot of people's mind because the, most people are thinking how good of really he was. A he player. averaged twenty points a game. Well, that's you know not twenty one. He averaged twenty point six, so that's twenty one points a game. And but compared to everybody else, he wasn't as good a player, especially 20, for, after his college days. Who puts up twenty points a game though? Reese Gaines. Reese Gaines. Does. <laughs> okay, who else? And there's Another one that's if I was going to argue to take anybody off, and I'm not saying I could off the top of my head name you who I would replace them with, but the top two I would maybe think about maybe would be probably Gaines and Donovan, and that's the two because both of them were pro- their numbers are there. Yes, I'm not denying their stats. Reach was a scoring machine as was Billy Donovan. Uh, I, I hear but you. I'm just talking about as an overall player, and that's like what I said with Tony Delk. The numbers are irrelevant, especially in college basketball. I mean, look at Michael Jordan. I mean, he averaged what 15, 16 points a game in college. It doesn't mean, but you can't bring Michael Jordan. So you can't bring in the. But, you, you can't argue the fact I'm that the u- greatest player ever in history. You can't bring him to the argument. That's not. I'm argue. using that's, it that's because I'm telling you that the overrated. That's like comparing Clint stats. Eastwood and John Wayne, who's the best cowboy. But, you can't but do that's, that. But my point of bringing him into the argument is to say that stats are irrelevant. But, yeah, a lot but of times. you can't use a polarizing figure such as that. You can't use a guy that has a bronze that's statue. A pretty good example, though. No, it's not. It's How's not. it not an example of stats are irrelevant when I'm it's naming the greatest score of all time? Only average sixteen a game. You always do this. You always compare apples to oranges because you can't. You can't. Say you know what Bob Cousy was great, but you know uh, let's, let's look at somebody else. Okay, Elgin Baylor was great, but yes, Oscar Robinson was better. Like you can't do that, really. And you can't really say that Anderson Verjao was the best big man in the NBA because he was like top three in rebounding last year. That's what I'm saying. You're, you're you're argument, really top three rebounding. Yes, yes, you can't. You can't. You you always well, you always want to compare somebody. To greatness, like well, you well, can't compare like you can't compare greatness to greatness. Let me ask you: this. There's you can't be like you know, Will Chamberlain was good, but I mean, obviously, there's a name on uh, that list know, that sticks out to you. What, 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 who would you take off that? I list? I would take off. I mean, honestly, because you, you seem to, to have say, somebody on the back of your head no, when you bring it up. I mean, out. honestly, okay. Like you're wanting guys, me to pick. I don't want to take anybody off the list. I like the list, but I mean, is Peyton Siva on that list? Versus all the guys you play. And I like Peyton. Peyton's my guy. I mean, two Final Fours, a national championship. Again, numbers, I don't count Wayne the numbers. Turner has that. Current Detroit Pistons. True. Wayne Turner has that. Wayne though. Turner's a good saying, example. I'm just saying. Another example. Nazi Muhammad has three Final Four rings and two championships. Well, one of them, all with Patino, that's right, because he, he, he left the I'm team I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't think Nazi would get on there for the free throw uh, game against Arizona. He probably didn't get slipped off the list yeah, because of that alone. You know, I'm just throwing it. I mean, you think of all those guys. Anthony Epps. Yeah, he was a, Anthony Epps was a role player, though. He doesn't he was on a, uh, He was a championship role player. Peyton Siva wasn't. But Siva was not a role player on a champ, two Final Fours and championship Siva team. He was, was a leader. leader. Thank you. A yes. leader. Because, because, a because, 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 because you're a vocal leader, that doesn't mean you're not. I mean, Anthony Epps was a leader on that team. He hardly turned the ball over his senior year. Neither too. did Anthony he Epps. Got, he got way better. Anthony at that. Epps didn't turn the ball over a lot. We can look at the numbers. Epps was a starting point the guard officially because Delk okay, moved to the two. Okay, listen. I want you guys to think about this. Anthony Epps. We're going to say it's going to go to break. Anthony Epps walked on the UK and was the starting point guard as a walk on. Did I? Did you say Antoine Walker's name? I'm assuming on that list. Right? Yes, he okay, is on that list. Because right, that's another. That Mercer and Walker only two years, and especially with the fact that Mercer. I mean. 
Impact, yes, but did, did you get a guy for two years, so a guy who was just as good for four years, maybe? Plus, Russ might Should as well be walked on. He, does, he belongs on this list. Well, Russ has a scholarship. Anthony, he, Epps, uh, Anthony Epps is from Marion County. Russ was like a two-star. Come on. I mean, rankings don't mean anything, but I'm trying to get you, you, you like on. Anthony Epps, don't a you? A know? walk-on. A walk-on from Marion <laughs> County that was supposed to play football is a starting point guard at basketball at the University of Kentucky and winning a national championship on the number one team in the country. <laughs> Think about I want you to fathom that. Do you know Anthony Epps? Yes, <laughs> I know everybody. I know boy. everybody in the basketball community. I'm sorry. Uh, he just the way he's bragging, he's going for it. I just want you to understand, I mean, this. like his, like his godfather. I don't think you guys understand how hard it is. I don't think you guys understand how it is to walk on, beat out all the other guys at your position at the number one program school and had the number one recruiting class in the country at that time. Parents been to tally ho with Anthony Epps a few times. No, I have not. <laughs> Anthony Epps was in Marion County. His daughter is one of the top forty players in the country, and is at the University of Kentucky as a freshman. And he's our godfather. That's, that's, no, that's, I'm not. That's, I'm just teasing. <laughs> with you. I'm just. Trying uh, to obviously, you idea. like because you don't pull Anthony Epps out of nowhere unless you know Anthony Epps. I'm just. I'm just saying. I mean, I could. You know, there's a lot of guys that played for him. Dave. I mean, Scott Paget did a tremendous yeah, job. I agree. I, I'm not taking Peyton Steve off the list. I'm just. saying. I love Scott and David Paget. Either Paget, I'm happy. It is with. very hard to walk on and start for the number one school in the country and be the starting point. That's like Jared Polson leading the twenty the 2012 team to the national championship. I just want you guys to understand that for all the people that don't understand what is I'm talking Is he still about. on the roster? Yes. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, that's not, like I said, though, that list, when you look at that top 10, that 10, whether it's in order or not. Do you imagine Jared Polson leading the 2012 team to the national championship? I can't imagine him doing much. Honestly. I mean, that's what Anthony Epps did. Did you did you expect uh, uh, Mills to knock the, hit the biggest shots in Kentucky at the time? To no, put but I'm not two? talking about Mills being one of the top ten players on the list. No, but Cameron Mills came out of nowhere and took hit the big shots. Well, you didn't expect Cameron that. Cameron Mills was a recruit, and he redshirted for a year. So I mean, I mean, if you wanted the background on him, I'd give that to you. Do you know him too? Another guy. Yes, I do. <laughs> I know everybody. Once again, I mean, a perfect, example, drive. perfect example. Jeff Shepard walked on at U U of L. Played for the Sixers. Jeff Shepard played at UK. Jeff Shepard. Yeah, played at UK. You said Louisville. I said he walked on. Okay, he walked on at UK. I'm sorry. He didn't walk I, on at UK. He was a yes, scholarship. Yes, he did. No, he walked on. He was Mr. Georgia. He was he a top recruit coming on. out of high Who school. Who is this? Jeff Shepard walked Shepherd. on. He walked on. If he walked on, it's because he, he was asked to walk on. He was a so he that, scholarship that means, So if you're offers. asked to walk on, that's still walking on, correct? Correct I mean, me if I'm wrong. No, he I mean, redshirted, right, but, but I don't think he walked like, hold on. Hold on, wait. Would you call Kyle Couric a walk-on? He was at, Or Chris Jones. They were no, asked because to he got a scholarship. Ooh. Chris Jones was not asked to walk on. What about Chris Smith? Chris Smith walked on. Chris because Smith. Of, that's what well, I meant. Because his, buddy, his brother made $7.5 million at the so time. What? And Kyle Kirk's okay. parents were like brain surgeons or that whatever. That doesn't mean anything. They offered him a scholarship. Two but things. he still walked on. Two things. Hold on. No, Kyle Kirk did not walk on. Kyle Kirk was on scholarship year. for three years. He took off his scholarship for the betterment of the team. There's a difference. Get your facts in He's, order. It was, he was still considered a walk-on. No, he wasn't. Don't meet okay. yourself. All right, we got because we got to take Thank a break. You. When we go to break one, I want to call BS on the walk on of Jeff Shepard because we're going to look that up at the at the Jeff break. Jeff Shepard wasn't. Jeff I'm calling BS on. on that one. We got we got a little gentleman's bet. If I win, uh, you're going to introduce me to Anthony Epps, and if I lose, uh, I'm just going to exactly. It on the air. So I win nothing. <laughs> so I win nothing either way. Good hey, job. like I'm winning a big prize here, Anthony yes. Epps. Ooh. All right, we're coming back. The afternoon drive, fourteen fifty, the Sports Buzz.
Welcome back, Afternoon Drive. Uh, real quick before we get into uh, a lot of the discussions and, and recapping some of the things we were just talking about, I want to remind you, of course, tonight we'll have the uh, Bob Chino Coaches Show at 8 p.m. Uh, live from Bowling Green. You can listen to them talk about, obviously, recapping what happened this Saturday and their win over Kentucky and look forward to their game coming up in Knoxville at Tennessee, a game we will have on these airwaves at, starting at 11 a.m. with the pregame, 12 p.m. kickoff, and, of course, tomorrow as well. My man Matt Dennison with the High School Sports Report will be live at Zaxby's in New Albany. We're getting you ready for this Friday's game. We are in week three of our full all-out coverage of high school football in Southern Indiana with the Wendy's pregame show starting Friday at 6.30 in Charlestown and Clarksville. And, of course, tomorrow I'm sure my man Dennison will be talking to some coaches as well as athletes and breaking down that Charleston and Clarksville game tomorrow night on the High School Sports Report at Zaxby's. And uh, also, real quick to remind you as well, on Friday before that 6.30 Wendy's pregame show gets going, Mr. Frakes of the Courier Journal as well as Matt Dennison will be joining you from 5.30 to 6.30 with the High School Scoreboard Show, and they will be going over all things high school football, whether it be Southern Indiana and Louisville. Great show last week when they started off. They talked with uh, several coaches around the area, and I'm sure they have a lot of great things in store this Friday as well. Uh, to finish off before we switch gears and talk a little more fo- some more football uh, Jeff Shepard, not a walk-on. Uh, he was offered to give up his scholarship a year, so that's what I was referring to. I was wrong. Trevor's right. <laughs> as, now, as was Kyle Couric. Kyle Couric oh, offered Lord. to give his up Kyle for a year, Kyle Couric gave up his scholarship. That doesn't mean he's a walk-on. These two have been arguing about just, Kyle Couric for like question, six minutes. Okay, what's up? What's <laughs> up? We're off the air. You just agree with me, and then you come on air and try no, to disagree No, 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 no. I, I, I agreed with you that he wasn't a walk-on, but his senior yes. year. He gave it up. I already told you that, he had to, So he had to be a walk-on he if he didn't have to be Ladies, 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 ladies. Let's focus on the most important thing. I was right on Jeff Shepard. Let's look that's the important thing. Yeah. I was right, and now apparently that's interested me to introduce me to uh, uh, Epps. Hey, you want to so. drive down to Central <laughs> Kentucky with me next time I go? You're more than welcome to. Uh, speaking of Epps being a former Wildcat, uh, Kentucky this Saturday, a disappointing game against Western Perrin, really got manhandled against Western. That's what came as a surprise to me more than anything. What about you? I mean, there's not really much to say with other than the fact that we knew Kentucky wasn't a good team by Petrino's an offensive genius, and, I mean, the rest is history. I mean, it was a three-point spread. It went up to five before the game, and just kind of saw, a barometer of things. Eh, I mean, but, you know, it's just, I mean, but what did anybody expect? You don't know who your quarterback is. You don't have a ton of guys returning on defense. You have walk-on tryouts for wide receiver. I mean, there's not much to really say about that team. Everybody knows it's going to be a rough year. You just hope this recruiting class that's coming in is going to be as good as advertised. A rough year expected, but I don't know. Just the way that Western just handled the game from start to finish really came as a shock to me. I didn't expect it. I didn't, I'm not surprised that Western won the game, but I was surprised the way they handled it. And on the other side of being handled, uh, Louisville and Ohio, we talked a little briefly about it yesterday, and, uh, obviously dominating Ohio. Another game that kind of surprised me in the way it was dom- they dominated them, not offensively, but defensively for the Louisville Cardinals, which is something that was kind of a question mark a little bit last year, and this year at least has been answered to a big helping of A-plus degree so far. Yeah, I mean, what is it, 11 guys on the field? You have 11 guys mm-hmm. on the field on both mm-hmm. sides of the ball, so that's 22 guys. Out of those 22 on both sides Good of the mass. ball, Louisville returned 19 of those guys, so – you got to figure that out and look at that. And when you think about all that, it's, it's pretty, um, you know, they return everybody. Everybody said they had a small recruiting class this past fall, but I mean, they need to bring in a lot of guys because they had so much returning. So, I mean, and that's why you see the success that they're having now because they don't have to teach a lot of guys stuff that all those guys already know. And it's a good thing to see that go in the direction it's going right now. And one of those guys that made his debut, uh, Michael Dyer with a big 46 yard touchdown run, 
Were you impressed with that? I mean, the run, it came in at a point in the game where the game was somewhat already decided, but still don't, I don't want to take that it, away from, it's a, hard uh, from a nice run. It's hard to say because you didn't get to see enough of him, and when you did get to see him in the game, he was running with the twos and threes. So, you know, it's hard to gauge his barometer. Plus, Ohio is a good team, and they probably had their twos in. So at that point in the game, it was the third and fourth quarter, and we were blowing them out. They barely got a touchdown, I believe it was in the fourth quarter. So it's, once again, that's, it's a hard it's a hard indicator of where things are at right now. So and then of course little Teddy Bridgewater the five touchdowns. When it goes to the running back, uh, now of Corvin Lamb the news tears his ACL. He's going to be out for the year. I don't ever want injuries to happen. It's kind of maybe a blessing in disguise for Corvin because with the playing time at running back, he's going to be able to redshirt and get a medical redshirt this year and not lose his eligibility. And maybe have a chance to actually get a little more playing time as this class kind of diminishes down a little bit with Dyer and Brown and Perry all being upperclassmen. When you look at it, when you watch this game Saturday, I know you were at the game as well, is there one guy that sticks out to you that you would prefer see? Are you content with this committee that we saw with Louisville in terms of just really spreading it out evenly amongst the three backs? There's nothing to really see other than the fact that somebody's got to be more consistent and take the lead role. And I think when talent, you know, when emotions die down, talent always takes over. So, I mean, and that's what happens in games. Everybody talks about, oh, the, the crowd, this, the that, that. When you play sports, when you play sports at a high level, after the first five minutes, all the rah-rah, all the cheering, all the booing, none of that matters. The only thing that matters is what's between those lines. And when you, see what, when you saw what happened between those lines, Louisville's talent took over. And now what's going to happen now is you're going to see the better talent and the better physical gifts that guys have is going to separate themselves as the year goes on as long as guys are able to remain healthy. And you're not going to see a lot of competition this week, probably. You know, disrespect to the Colonels in Eastern Kentucky, but I just can't imagine this game being anything less than your 50 to 7 or 50 to 14 type outcome this weekend coming up. But Bridgewater, as impressive as he was, kind of overshadowed by another number five on Monday night in Florida State, Jameis Winston. What were your thoughts on him? I mean, a true, a redshirt freshman, excuse me, not a true freshman, but a redshirt freshman. Wearing the same number five, which number five would you still would you think had the better day Monday or Sunday between Bridgewater and Winston? I mean, Winston's Winston reminds me of a young Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, you know, I hate to say that, but that's what he pretty much is. He's got a lot of physical tools. Teddy seems more explosive, more athletic than he does for for obvious reasons. So we'll see how that goes and what happens with that. But uh, at the end of the day, you're probably going to see a future Heisman Trophy contender down there, and that's a team we're going to we're going to play Florida State. We're going to play against Jameis Winston. Probably next year. So, I mean, we got to go ahead and get ready for that. And uh, it's a beautiful thing to see what the new ACC is going to become when you have Florida State and Virginia Tech and ourselves, you know, Syracuse and, you know, Pittsburgh. It's, it's just a great conference, both football and basketball. So it's going to be great to see what happens. Of course, it's not the SEC in football, but there's a lot to say a lot to say about the conference, and it's a lot better than where we are at right now. <laughs> it's saying, saying a lot when you have two teams, at least two, that I can think off the top of my head. That lost, not only lost, but got beat bad by D2 schools in Connecticut and South Florida in the American. Possibly the worst weekend to open up for a conference that was already taking hype of being overrated and not worthy of their stature. I mean, well, there wasn't much to talk about them, to say the least. You know, I mean, they weren't they weren't good football teams. We knew they weren't good football teams. Uh, but did we expect this bad of an um, opening weekend? I, I mean, mean, I mean, th- these things happen. That's what happens when you're not a good football team. When you're not a good football team, you get blown out by FCS schools. That's if you don't believe me, ask Kentucky. Western dr- drummed them. So I mean, well, they're Division One though, at least. I mean, yeah, but they're they're not a BCS school. And so when you think about that, and you look at what they have, and they're and they're their facilities and what Bobby Petrino is able to do, 
You know, everybody, you can say it's talent, you can say it's coaching, but when you look at it, those are the same guys that were recruited by other coaches. And so those guys' talent was already there before those two coaches got there. So their ability, the ability is better than one place than it is at the other place. So, and that, that was very evident with the fact that they got, they drummed Kentucky. And obviously, Western gets uh, Tennessee this weekend. Uh, do you think the Toppers can continue their success versus SEC teams? Is a different animal in Tennessee. I know it's not your grandfather's Tennessee team. That with with Fat Phil Former running it and the dominance that they've had, Butch Jones is doing a good job at least in Week One in his first season down there. They dominate uh, Austin P, who's got the great greatest chant of all time, by the way. Uh, what do you see in terms of Western Bobby Petrino going in an atmosphere like Knoxville? I mean, nothing really bothers Bobby. People forget that Bobby Petrino coached in the in the SEC the last couple of years. He NFL. also was an NFL coach yeah. as well. So I mean, none, none of that really phases Bobby. When you're in the game that long, there's nothing that really bothers you. The question is, are those guys battle testing and be ready to play? And you know, Tennessee had two top recruiting classes a couple of years back. So I mean, there's talent there. Tennessee is not as bad as Kentucky as far as talent is. The matter of the fact was them putting it together. The, obviously, the kid they had last year that played quarterback, the, the I forget his name, but he went to the NFL. He got drafted, I, I want to say, by the Giants. I'm not sure. But the Bray kid, the Bray kid got mm. drafted. So he left school early. So, I mean, they got some holes Patterson, in. The Patterson receiver. went to Minnesota. So, I mean, his numbers weren't the most impressive. Yeah, but he with, was but. very explosive. He came out of junior college. Mm. Tremendous yeah. talent. So, I mean, it's, there's a lot of things to be question mark. And they had another kid that got drafted that came off of ACL tears. I mean, there's talent there. I don't know how good it is. Obviously, it's better than Kentucky. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. And, uh, they hey, Kentucky beat Tennessee last year. So, let's yeah. that. I mean, if you want to play I mean, the, you know, we beat them, you can beat you type. Derek game. Dooley's voice was stale down at that program. So, we'll see what happens. Like, you know, James Franklin, he's got a, a lot of talent down at, um, at Vanderbilt. At Vanderbilt, but we're going to see what's going to happen with him because he's got to win. So, we'll see. Speaking of NFL, uh, going because it starts tomorrow, Ravens, Broncos. You're, are you a big NFL guy? I mean, I've never really talked NFL. Uh, with I mean, you. I like the Cowboys. Uh, I know that. that uh, I mean, there's not really much to talk about that game. You're not you a big know, fantasy Ra- football guy, are you? I don't I don't believe in things I don't know everything about, so I don't really pay those <laughs> attention. So, if I, if, I, if I don't know everything about it, I'm not really paying it a lot of attention. Will so. you will be watching the Ravens and Manning led Broncos tomorrow? Night? I mean, yeah, because I like to see Peyton because he's one of the best to do it so it's fun to watch Peyton do it do what he does on the field because he's such a he's such a surgeon out there and uh I wish they can get him a marquee wide receiver to really do some work out there the guys that he have yeah, that he has are very good but they're not great so he we'll makes see them what, look great yeah but I mean he's making them look great they're not great players you know he needs a great player with him so I mean mm-hmm. I feel like if Peyton Manning had a great player with him we would talk about him a lot more because he never really had a great player with him he made guys around him great. Can Joe Flacco take over the reins of being the leader on a team that's now lost its leader of the last decade in Ray Lewis? And, gonna, and Ed Reed on top of that, who's now the Texans. We're going to find out about that. You know, Joe Frac- Flacco's been running his mouth like loose lips saying, you know, he he, he didn't really listen to Ray Lewis because he didn't know what Ray Lewis was uh, <laughs> talking about. And he also made comments about the fact that, um, you know, certain things about this and that are going to be done differently. So, I mean, Joe's been talking a good game, and he got paid a good game about, of, amount of money. So hopefully he can live up to the hype as much as he's been talking his mouth because, you know, people can say what they want to say about Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis is a winner at the end of the day. And Joe Flacco hasn't proven he can really lead a team, in my opinion, because they've always had stellar defenses in Baltimore that have carried Joe Flacco to wins. So winning the Super Bowl last year didn't show you enough it did Flacco? It didn't sell me. I'm not sold on Joe Flacco. Really? I'm still not sold on Joe Flacco being a top three quarterback in the league, no. Really? Well, I wouldn't say top three. I don't but think he's top I, five. 
Yeah, that's, I agree with that too. I wouldn't say I would. I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm unsold on him as a I leader. I mean, he, he has might, taken that team to numerous AFC title be, games. He might as well. be in the top. That defense got him there. He yeah, might. He might point. be. A, he might be. He. I don't even have him in my top ten. He's. He's not out here getting snatched up by fantasy in fantasy drafts either. I though. Mean, he's no, not, but he's that's not a, a different top world. ten guy. But he's one thing he does do. He stays healthy. So he does. Uh, we're gonna take a break. Come back. I gotta ask Perrin, uh, one of our favorite NBA players, been released and maybe soon to be a Laker. Would you take him on your team? I got to ask Perrin's opinion because I tell you right now, if the Pacers were on this list, I would be screaming right now to Donnie Walsh saying, hell no. We'll bring that up and plus a lot more when we come back. One more segment here on an Afternoon Drive, 1450 Sports Buzz. Machiavelli in this, Illuminati, all through your body. The blows like a 12-game shot it. Uh, feel me. First all, touch the chick and the click you claim. West side, when we rock, I'm equipped with game. You claim to be a player, but I bust your wife. We bust on bad boys, brothers touch for life. Plus, Buffy trying to see me be hearts I rip. Biggie's I have never been so nervous <laughs> in my life. Because we both know the original of that song. I was in there waiting for it, too. But oh. Greatest, greatest oh, diss song, I guess, is that re- the right property reference to it? Greatest diss song of all time, maybe? Yes, by far. Hands down. Maybe. Okay, what about um the one song uh, with when D- Dr. Dre dissed Easy E? Like, oh yeah, like, was yes. it Dre? Is it Dre Day? Uh, is Dre Day? Was it Dre Day? Was the name of the song? I forget yeah. the name of the song Mr. all the time. Buster. Uh, uh, well, yeah, 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 that was used Dre to be Day. sleazy because I used to hang out with Easy. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, but this one. Because this song was so popular, you could be listening to it now and not knowing who's even talking about You've seen and the enjoy vi- the song. You see the video. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I mean, you, you watch the video. Like, <laughs> yeah. yes. It didn't help. I believe didn't it start off the feud with the scene with uh, Biggie's wife? And apparently, he banged her, I guess, during the California he video. Had, yes, he had relations. relations. We're gonna, yeah, we're going to be politically correct here for relations. <laughs> for those who he know, laid with her in a biblical sense. In a biblical there sense. There you go. That's yes. what he did. Uh, a couple more minutes here left in the show. That's just sinning right there. Uh, next, coming up next hour, obviously, I remind you of all the things we got going on right of the night with 8 o'clock and then Coach Petrino, Bobby Petrino Coach's show. Here live here on fourteen fifty, but uh, coming up in a few minutes, man Nick Coffee with inside the press box, a lot to talk about. Live from Cancun, Mexico. Before I hey, before we get into that, um, I saw Trey Lyles visiting U of L on campus. Yes, the kids saw the ladybirds and lit up like a Christmas tree on Christmas. Who doesn't? <laughs> he was like, I, I, his lip was on the floor. I wish you would have seen him. Uh, who does? And ladybirds you remember the are kid hot. Orenze Onuaku that played at uh, Syracuse. Uh, he had the yes. headband. Yeah. <laughs> he has yes, the headband. His, his like, that really gave it away. He <laughs> played at Syracuse and he had a headband. It's that guy. Yeah. Johnny Flynn. So, nah, well, yeah, but not that guy. So, um, he was one. on a visit too, as well. And I wish you could have seen these two kids, like these two high school kids that saw these two, that saw the little dance team. They didn't, they didn't even know what to say. It was, uh, 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 it was a, who uh, took you on your trip to Louisville when you came here? Actually, um, it was, uh, Brandon Jenkins. 
And uh, Coach Davenport really, Brandon and Coach Davenport did a lot of it. And then uh, hung out with Ellis a lot. Because uh, you we still, you still are, <laughs> and we can learn from California, so it all made sense. But Brandon was my host, but I just ended up hanging out with Brandon and Ellis a lot. And Coach Davenport, who's that Bellarmine, who's like like my uncle, like he did a good job with it, showing me around and giving me squared away. Any, any 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 special story from that visit? At least clean version, like the last song we I heard. Don't really have, I don't know what you're talking about. I just went around the campus and hanging with the basketball players. You didn't so. even get to meet the, the lady cards. At least I don't know what that is. So you once don't again, know. I don't, I don't know, know what ladybirds are. What are those? Uh, I don't birds. know what anything is of the female origin on a visit. I don't know what you're referring to. He well, never he, took human sexuality, the sociology class. No, he didn't. He didn't no, require that. No, He's a basketball player. He took, took, I took biology in high school and got out the way. He's a he played basketball, Brandon. He took VCR management 101. VCR, I don't even <laughs> underwater <laughs> basket weaving. Well, you guys, you guys probably took those classes. Uh, I, if it was available, I'd have taken it in a heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would have taken it 2.0. Uh, as I said, we're gonna get out of here live in Cancun. My man, I'm sure he's having a good time down there. Here we are in Southern Indiana. He's down in Cancun. Real quick before we get to out of here, Michael Beasley, our favorite pothead NBA player, and that's saying a lot because most of uh, them do smoke weed. He's not my favorite pothead. He's, uh, my, he's one of my most talented guys. Not to live. Looking at the Lakers as a possible destination. Yeah, your name for you is like yes, fan? because he'll play with good leadership around him. Kobe and um, Paul Gasol won't let him slack. I think it'll be a good thing. I disagree. I hope he signs Lakers because I don't want them to win. I think he is a cancer and a half, and I would not take well, him. He played on a lot of bad young teams, so that's what happens And here. there's a reason because he is he a bad young player. He doesn't have a role model, so we'll see what happens <laughs> second time He does. It's Snoop. All right, we so, got to get out of here come back tomorrow. He does like the Lakers, yes. <laughs> We're hopefully catch up. Jeff Radjohn's talking about IU football and a lot more tomorrow. Uh, live from Cancun, Mexico. With Hector. It's inside the press box coming up next. I'll let them suckers know it's on for life. Don't let the West Side ride the night. <laughs> Bad boy murdered all wax and kill. Mess with me and get your caps pill. You know, <laughs> grab your blocks when you see two pop. Call the cops when you see two pop. <laughs> Who shot me? Put your punks, didn't finish. Now you're about to feel the rap.